This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Brandon Nimmo. See, here's the thing I I say to you. We could take five minutes and rip almost everybody on this roster. Rico Bronya podcast, we usually go about an hour, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. If we spent five minutes on everybody that has sucked this season, it would take us 12 hours. So let's spend a few seconds on Brandon Nemo. Has Brandon Nemo sucked this season? No, I wouldn't say he has sucked this season. I know he made the big error against the Yankees. That wasn't called an error. Offensively, though, he's been like a balloon that's sinking right now. He went 0 for 5 in the opener and had some bad at-bats striking out a bunch of times. In game two of this series against Framber Valdez, he was 0 for 3 with two strikeouts, and those strikeouts were ugly. And he comes up in the eighth inning, fourth time he's seen Valdez. He's the tying run. If this is a year ago, Nimmo hits a game-tying two-run home run. But this ain't 2022, if you haven't noticed. And Brandon Nimmo hits a weak-ass pop-up the shortstop, which essentially ends the game. Because here's what happens with the Mets. They may have this big rally in the seventh or eighth, and once they come up short, it's lights out, and it's see you later, like Sunday against St. Louis, like Tuesday against the Astros, like Wednesday against the Astros. Because once Nimmo popped up, it was good night, see you later. And they lost. And it was a frustrating loss because Verlander was eh, but that 3-0 pitch to Bregman really kills me. The Met lineup did nothing against Valdez. In fact, they were perfected for the first, I guess it was five and a third innings of this game. And they finally show a pulse in the eighth inning. They hit into some bad luck, absolutely. And then Brandon Nemo, who has been awful in this series, or at least was awful in this series, hits a weak pop-up to shortstop, and that's it. And they lose. And once they lost Tuesday, tell me if I'm wrong, Pete, I knew the series was dead because they weren't winning with Tyler McGill on the mound against Christian Javier the next day. I wasn't sure how the game would go. We'll get to that in a second. But once they lost game two, it was like, hey, I hope you enjoyed game one because it meant nothing. They're about to lose another series. Yeah, it's it's tough to uh it's tough to get excited about this this team. Once they lose a game, you feel like the the bottom is about to drop and but they haven't even hit rock bottom yet, which is crazy. And real quick just about the Nimmo stuff, and I don't know the, the pile on, but there's so many aspects of Nimmo's game that have been, and this is the word you're looking for, disappointing. It, there's so much. Like again, the the defense we've talked about already, 
the base running, like that was something I was looking forward to. He still got three stolen bases from the beginning of the season. He there's some at bats where he's still that juggernaut. He'll see ten plus pitches, and then there's other that he'll swing the first one. It's like what are we? It just seems like a total. He either he's just checked out or the fundamentals are gone for the Mets. That's really what it comes down to. I think Nimmo has had. Like, overall, I think his defense has been good, right? I'll start there. I think it has been good. I don't want to harp on the one misplay against the Yankees. It did cost him a game, and it was a bad play. But I think overall, his defense has been really, really good. For whatever reason, he's 50 times better on the road than he is at home. I can't figure that one out. He has never developed into a base dealer, to your point. Uh, I think there was a hope with the bigger bases he would develop into a base dealer. That hasn't happened. And he's had days, like the first two games against the Astros recently, where he's just looked really, really bad. And through the month of June, when this team has played badly, I mean, he's hitting 220. And he set the bar very high because he got off to a great start. He was hitting 330 through April. And through the month of June, which has been a terrible month for this team, he's hitting 220. That's what he is. And they're just missing that big hit also. And I don't want to sit here ripping the offense because the truth is that's not their biggest problem. <laughs> it's not. As we saw in the finale of this series, and as I mentioned here at the top of the pod with all the games where they've scored plenty of runs and they've come up short, this finale against the Astros was so freaking painful because, as I said to you many, many times, watching a game while live on the air is brutal. It is just the worst. It's the worst because... I'm sitting next to Craig who just wants, he wants it to be entertaining. And for him, and by the way, that's great. Like we're on the radio. That's a number one job. But in his mind, and he's right, the most entertaining thing is pain. The most entertaining thing is frustration. The most entertaining thing is exactly what happened in the finale of this series. The Mets have an awful top of the first capped by a bad bottom of the first. And then the teases. Ooh, they took the lead. They're up three to two. Ooh, it's four to two. Ooh, they're down six, four. Ooh, it's six, six. Oh, they're ahead now. Oh, they're behind. Like, that's the worst. It's the worst when you're dealing with it on air. So I'll walk you through watching this game and all the issues that just drove me nuts. And again, watching the game as closely as I can. I'm not scoring it. It's it's on while we're doing a show. In the top of the first inning against Chris John Javier, they are set up with everything. Nimmo draws a walk. Marte gets hit by a pitch and luckily is okay. And Lindor draws a walk. And at this moment, with bases loaded, nobody out, and Pete Alonso coming up, didn't say this on the air, said this to myself, they have to score two runs right now. Two. That's my number. Two. Okay? And and you can do that without a base hit. You can. Alonzo, it's a deep fly ball to right field. Sacrifice fly. Runner goes to third. Tommy Pham, sacrifice fly. Call it a day. You have to get two runs. Knowing full well, by the way, that two runs ain't going to be enough because Tyler McGill, despite how well he pitched on Friday, and I give him all the credit for that, no one in their right mind thought he was going to do it again. Not one person. No one said, oh, he's going to put together back-to-back starts. I think I even said to you on the last Rico, despite how well he pitched Friday, let's keep an eye on Joey Lucchese. It may be time. So they have bases loaded, nobody out. And Alonzo does that little check swing back to the mound 
which is a disaster because with competent defense, that's a one, two, three double play. The same double play Lindor had last week, the one, two, three double play. Bases loaded, nobody out. He got bailed out by Brett Beatty. Remember that? I think that was Friday against St. Louis, if memory serves correct. So Alonzo does the check swing, and look, he's out of the baseline. But I see a bad throw to first. Mets get bailed out. one nothing. second and third one out. Great. But quickly, because again, I'm on mute. We're doing a radio show. I see, uh-oh, they called Alonzo out for running out of the base pets, which he was. He was. I get that. I understand that. But I'm getting so sick and tired. Uh, and this is just probably the frustrations of being six games under 500. I'm so sick and tired of Buck Showalter walking out of that dugout just to confirm what happened. Like, hey, 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 guys. So, so you called that he ran out of the out of the baseline? Oh, okay, okay, cool, thanks, great. I'm now going to go back and sit down. Thank you for telling me, Brian Honora. Thank you, Pat Holberg. Hey, Pat, great, thank you. Like this man leaves the dugout to do what? To just confirm what we already saw? Is that what he does? Now, I get. You get argue, argue, you go crazy. What does it mean? It probably doesn't mean anything. I acknowledge that. I'm just giving you my emotions as a fan that it's just annoying watching him politely stroll out of that dugout to what? Ask a freaking question. I'll answer it for you, Buck. Alonzo ran out of the baseline. They called him out. That's what happened. What, why do you say it doesn't do anything at all? Like we're waiting for a spark and the manager is showing zero. I mean, the team's showing zero. The manager is is emphasizing the zeroness of no, the no, team. Pete, he can get thrown out of the game, and maybe it does spark the team. I'm just saying, I can't. I don't expect that it's going to work. But try it, yeah. Like I'm on your side. I'm the one saying, well, why is he going out there to have a freaking conversation like they're about to drink tea? You could do something. You can yell and scream. I'm not against that. Go ahead, yell and scream. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Alonzo's called out. He's out of the baseline. Tommy Pham draws a walk. And here's Jeff McNeil. And it's it's time. I'm sorry, guys. Now let's just rip him a new ass with his 267 average and his 686 OPS. Jeff McNeil has sucked this year. He just has. That's just the reality. The guy won the batting title last year, but it wasn't just winning the batting title. He'd get an extra base hit once in a while. He'd come through in a big spot. Last year, Jeff McNeil singles and drives in two and overcomes the Alonzo double play. And instead, McNeil hits the softest pop-up in the world. And there you go. The Mets have the bases loaded. Nobody out. They don't score. They reload the bases with two outs. They still don't score. And I said on the air to Craig, we're done. The game, the game is over. Now, don't interpret that as I'm shutting the game off. I'm not shutting the game off. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Mets shut me up. But my feeling was, after that first inning, we're dead. Like, you could just put it to bed. We're dead. And, of course, in the bottom of the first inning of this game, 
with the immortal Tyler McGill on the mound. He gives up a one-out double. We get to catcher's interference. So if you've got the bad baseball bingo card and you had running out of the baseline, bases loaded, nobody out, can't score, manager looks lifeless, I got great news for you. We just added catcher's interference. Oh, but would you like a few wild pitches? Sure, here's two of them including one in which Omar Narvaez makes a lazy-ass effort to try to block the ball in the dirt. Where's Francisco Alvarez when you need him? And so let's look up. It's 2 nothing, 2 nothing. That's great. See you later. Now, the Mets showed fight, Pete. That's what Buck likes. Starling Marte, two-run double. Francisco Lindor, sack fly. We're back in business. The Mets are up 3-2. to two. There's life. Daniel Vogelbach's ripping RBI doubles. It's 4-2 Mets. And not for a second did any of us think Tyler McGill was going to make it stand up. Not for a second. Especially in the fourth or the third when he issues a leadoff walk, gives up a base hit, they're running all over him, Corey Jolks gets a single, and all of a sudden it's tied at four. And you just know. You just know. Even when Daniel Vogelback comes through again. I mean, Daniel Vogelback was was great this week. And I guess the mental break helped him, stunningly enough. And the Mets come back, and it's 6-6. And then I think it was the uh, Dominic Leone comes into this game in the fourth inning, and he gives up the home run to uh, Yonor Diaz. Is it McCorn? Yeah. Oh, McCormick's coming up. You're right. He went went (laughs) to. I forget when he hit it. What a disaster. So Tyler Miguel is the real reason they lost this game, despite all the other little mistakes that they made. You know, when your starting pitcher goes out and gets knocked out in the third inning and he walks four guys and he gives up five runs, uh, that's him. You can't expect your bullpen, as we've talked about many times, to bail you out. And Dominic Leone, who actually has pitched well, up until this game on Wednesday, as you mentioned, gives up a home run to Chase McCormick, gives up a home run to Yiner Diaz, and it's just, it's ugly. Then you've got Brandon Nimmo getting thrown out at second base, trying to stretch a single into a double on a ball hit off the wall. My reaction watching the game uh, with Craig was, challenge it. It looked close enough to challenge. Do I think they overturn it? Probably not because they ruled him out on the field. But I did have that hey, you got to challenge it. And then, of course, an inning later on the little bunt safety squeeze play at the plate, that was another spot where Buck could challenge, but I don't think he was ever going to win that one. But the one with Nimmo at second base, I think it was the seventh or eighth inning, that one would have been worth the risk. So think about this about the great Brandon Nimmo we've had fun with today. He gets his one hit in the series, and he runs out of it by trying to go to second base, and he's thrown out at second. So he was one for 11 in this series against Houston. And the one base hit involves him being thrown out at second base. Just this game had everything. It had everything. The bad starting pitching, wild pitches, catchers interference, leaving a million guys on base, non-challenges, lifeless manager. Uh, What didn't it have? It had everything that you have on a bad baseball team, the Mets were able to show you in the finale of this series, the rubber game of this three-game series. 
well, let me ask you a question because I'm sitting here thinking about this as a, as a, as a, as a whole. Like last year, we they, they kept on winning games in spectacular ways. Like, have we lost a good normal game, or does everything feel like it's extra, like terrible? Like it's not a like we say they can't hold on to a lead for crap. They they take the lead in one inning and the the bullpen's giving it right back. But has there been like I don't feel like it's just a normal loss. Like oh, it's just a loss or whatever. It was just a good pitcher, good pitching duel. It is what it is. It always feels like it's extra. Yeah, the only one that comes close is probably game two of this series because there is that respect level for Framber Valdez where, okay, guy dominated for the first seven innings. They did have the rally in the eighth inning, the tease, as I like to say. But yeah, and that's what's so opposite of last year. I remember throughout the year, we were keeping track of our favorite wins of the year and the worst losses of the year, and they never really had bad losses. They they really didn't. They never had until the end. Obviously, they did at the end against Atlanta and San Diego. They never had these brutal losses. And now it's just consistent. It's on an every series basis, when you look at the way they lost some of the games to St. Louis, specifically the finale of the series, the way they lost the finale to the Houston Astros, look at these rubber games that they've lost, where if you win both of those games, they're still not in great shape, but we're feeling better about this team. And I think what makes it so difficult to feel good about this team or to find optimism, to find silver linings, is that it is now the summer. School is out for most kids. It is late June. We are a couple of weeks away from the 4th of July. Like we are here and they're showing no signs of turning it around. And you continue to hear these comments of like Daniel Vogelback, who look, he was the MVP of the, of the series. So I'm going to give Vogie credit. He played very well. I mean, think about what he did. I mean, think about what he did in game one and game three of this series. Guy was awesome. I'm not saying that sarcastically. He deserves the props when necessary. We've spent a lot of time ripping him, DFA him. He shouldn't be in the lineup. I'm not trying to say everything's fixed, but he clearly had two great games against the Astros. So Daniel Vogelback is feeling himself a little bit. And he says to the media, I know we're going to turn it around. I know we're going to have a winning streak. I'm not sure when, but I know it's going to happen. I don't know how you can have that confidence. Because even if the team is scoring runs like they have to a degree, the pitching is so bad and so inconsistent that how are you ever supposed to put together a winning streak? And what's crazy to think about is if this pitching staff was decent, not great, decent, they're above 500. That's why this goes back to something I was saying to you back in May. There are nights and days to rip this lineup. There are nights and days to rip the lineup construction. There are nights and days to be frustrated about their lack of big hits. I've spent time doing it. We've done it on today's podcast. We'll never ignore that the offense isn't perfect, but it ain't their biggest issue. Because if they pitched halfway well, they'd be okay. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. 